Hello, and welcome to the Viva podcast. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Glad you're here with us today. How are you, Jarrell? I'm not bad today. Um, also otherwise known as pretty good. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a bad day today. It's 74 degrees in March in New York City, and I'm mad about it. Very strange. <laughs> not, I'm not ready. It's, it's humid, yeah. and it's definitely air conditioner weather, but I refuse to turn my air conditioner on. Yeah. So but, I'm just kind of sitting here suffering a little bit, but it's over tomorrow, so I feel like I can stick it out. Yeah, that that was my my line in the sand today. Is like, I'm not turning on this air conditioner. I'm going to try and use fans and the dehumidifier, and... We'll see what happens. Yeah, so we're getting good. to the point where I'm going to just lose it, but it's quarter to four as we're recording this right now. So I'm hoping I can stick it out, but thoughts and prayers are welcome. Yeah. Also, it might snow later this week, allegedly. That's allegedly. Yeah, very strange. Someone said that and I was like, what? Cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hope the weather is more pleasant wherever you are. My condolences to people who are in New York and, you know, some people love this, but I'm not talking yes. to you. So my condolences for those of you who are not ready for 74 and humid and who think this is kind of frightening given the fact that it's March. <laughs> right. First week of March. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not the end of March, the first week of March. Right. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Although maybe a little bit related because the climate dying probably creates some anxiety, but we're going to talk about high functioning anxiety and this non-diagnosis diagnosis that is making its way around the internet and social media and just people are mostly self-diagnosing with it. Mm -hmm. I think, right? Has that been your impression as well? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, what it is technically, um, and whether or not it's actually a thing, spoiler, it's not, at least in terms of uh, clinical diagnosis, and if it's actually a problem. Mm -hmm. So, Jarrell, what's your understanding of it? If you were to treat it as a clinical diagnosis, like, what would you define it as? If it, if it were a diagnosis? Like, pretend it's real, and like, how would you describe it to somebody as like a summary? Well, I mean, here's the thing is that like, I, I think that it's, I think it is real in a sense that it's speaking to some people's experience. Um, I think the way that we talk about it collo colloquially, I can't talk, um, colloquially makes the water very muddy. So if I was actually seeing someone who I thought had high functioning anxiety, I would as a therapist, probably conceptualize them as having like, a, obviously if it were specific, then it'd be specific, but having like a generalized anxiety disorder and then following creating a treatment plan based off of that. So teaching them certain skills to manage anxiety, problem solving, all these other sort of things that I thought could be helpful depending on the person. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's how I would approach the situation. That's fair. And I'll give a little bit of more background information for people who aren't necessarily aware of why I say it's quote unquote, not real. And like, it's real if you experience it mm. from a therapeutic sense. If somebody says that they see ghosts in their shower, like that's real because that's what they're saying they see for whatever reason. Like who am I to tell them that's not true? When I say it's not real, I mean, it actually contradicts 
what a diagnosis is supposed to be. And I think that's, uh, you bring up a good point because I think that's part of the problem is how we're talking about it as mm. if it's a disorder. When in reality, the fact that you're putting high functioning in front of it means it's not a disorder. Right. <laughs> in other podcasts, when we were just kind of talking about anxiety and depression and one of the major criteria for how you know it's a problem or a disorder is that it interferes with your functioning on a mm -hmm. daily well, if you're saying you're functioning highly, it's not really a dysfunction. Right. That sounds like a great situation. Right. <laughs> Good for you. Um, but it's kind of confounding those two ideas of that, like, oh, high function anxiety may be a problem for you. And it's being talked about like it's a disorder that is limiting functioning when in reality, it seems like it's potentially, at least in terms of how it's often discussed, doing the opposite. Yeah. And can I just add here, because maybe this, I don't know, you know, before we started recording, I was like, I don't know, I, I'd consider that I, if I were to, I could attach that label to myself uh, based on the colloquial usage. Um, so because, okay, you were going to say it anyway, cool. Yeah, I was going to say like why and all that. Um, so I think more than anything, like I generally run more anxious. Like I think that quote unquote, worry is also like a through line in my family. Um, so I often am like thinking and ruminating on like whatever <laughs> that like, that's part of, that's a, a, a solid part of who I am. And I think that, but at the same time, at least at present, I don't think I have a diagnosable disorder um, because I like, it's very undisruptive. Um, so like, obviously there are ways in which like I walk through life and experiencing things where I'm like thinking and maybe over-processing sometimes or worrying sometimes, but by and large, like it, this doesn't get in my way. Like I do most, if not all the things I really want to do. Um, I don't feel hampered by it. Um, I don't spend too much time in that zone. It comes up, comes up incidentally in, in certain spaces or moments and that sort of thing. And otherwise, like, it's cool. Like, I'm fine. And, and so I think that's like, that's, I think when we talk about it in the sort of societal sense, um, it really just means having anxiety um, or experiencing anxiety, as opposed to like the way that we're trying to talk about it or how many people are talking about it as like this, um, like pseudo diagnosable condition, which it is not to your point, Rachel, is that like, if it's high function anxiety, it's not a disorder, it's not a problem, it's a normal human experience, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I like what you said about it being a normal human experience, because I think what we're doing is, and this is a maybe a different rabbit hole to go down, but mm. I think what we're doing is we're taking a very normal human emotion that you're going to have always, not like always, all the time. Everyone. Right. Not continuously. Not continuously. Right. Maybe, Maybe periodically. periodically. You don't have to, but you're going to have all throughout your life. You're, yeah. you're not, there's no way to live a life where you're not anxious ever. Yeah. And so we're taking this normal emotion and we're saying, oh, you're feeling it. Like maybe this is a problem and maybe it's just being a person. So like, right. why are we calling it anything other than like, I feel anxious today? You know, we don't say low functioning happiness or high functioning <laughs> happiness. It's true. It just like we're taking an emotion and we're like labeling it as if to call it a problem 
but like a low key problem that like maybe it's so weird what the vibe around it is when in reality I'm like looking at these social media posts like so you have a feeling mm. right. like, congratulations you're alive today like good <laughs> I'm glad to hear that mm-hmm. um, and I think we have a tendency to do that with feelings that are more uncomfortable for sure like have name it as a problem and then have these solutions to like get it to go away when in reality like that's not realistic at all and can I add to that because I think something you said just like and I'm trying not to go down a rabbit hole here but um you're talking about like you know this is you know a normal human experience like when you live when you live life you are going to experience anxiety I was just thinking um like it flashed in my mind, the differences between something like depression and anxiety. And I was just thinking that I wonder if a big part of the reason why this is a thing now, like this term is being thrown around is that for a lot more people, anxiety as a feeling or a collection of experiences is much more trackable than depressive symptoms. So like, it's much easier to kind of identify when I think for most people, um, that like when you're feeling anxious because like certain a lot of times it's very physical for people um and so they can track those things more easily but when it comes to something like depression it's much more difficult to say like oh like i'm i've been numb for the past month like i don't really feel anything people won't clock that as a problem because like not sometimes not feeling that not feeling something feels good to them um even though it's like not like that's a disruption And so like, you know, kind of what you were saying in terms of like, we recognize maybe easily recognize anxiety um, and we're pathologizing it because we don't want to have that experience. Right, right. And I'd also flip it to say, if your anxiety, if those anxious feelings are benefiting you in some way, in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. isn't it actually a good thing that you're anxious? Mm-hmm. Like if your anxiety, and maybe I'm talking about myself here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm identifying. Go ahead. Like, mind your business. <laughs> but if your anxiety is the thing that leads you to be productive and to get things done on time and to pay attention to details and to take initiative, et cetera, et cetera. Why is that a bad thing? Like, isn't that a good thing that you're anxious then? If the results yield yeah. something positive. Yeah. Right. So like, congratulations to your anxiety. Good job. Like use that tool. It's a tool in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. I think that just speaks to your point as well of like some feelings are just so pathologized in the world and like just thought of as just these things we have to get rid of immediately when in reality, maybe they're helping us and we never stop to think of like, maybe this is actually a helpful tool and if I was less anxious or experienced less of this feeling, these things that I enjoy that I can do or I enjoy about myself would change. Yeah. Maybe you don't want that. So yeah. it's kind of just this idea of like, maybe we should stop looking at any type of emotion as just like objectively positive or negative. Maybe it depends on the circumstances and like what meaning they have to you and what the result of the emotion is. Yeah. Yeah. I think people don't realize that just as you said, that anxiety can be incredibly helpful and productive when used as a tool. Um, It often, 
can lead to, um, I've even done this work with clients. Like it can often lead to really good problem solving. Mm -hmm. Um, it can lead to great planning. Uh, it can, I don't know, it can lead to better health behaviors. (laughs) You know, like if you're anxious about a premature death, right. Experiencing premature death, you're obviously going to be like, okay, I got to get this together. Like I need to be able to do X, Y, and Z in order to keep myself healthy. And so obviously you're going to move with a little bit of fervor, like maybe that that's a good thing in that situation, but maybe, maybe the thing we should really be looking at is like how it's helpful, but also like at what point is it not, or is it more unhelpful than it is helpful? Well, I think that's a good segue, right? Is that Mm -hmm. we'll have to know if it's a problem. Well, do the ends justify the means, right? When you look at what's my relationship with anxiety, for example, does it cause more problems than not? Does it interfere with your functioning? And this is why this is silly because literally how you know if an emotion is a problem, one of the major ways and arguably the most important therapeutic tool to really assess if it's an issue, does it interfere with what you're trying to do during the course of your day? Whether that means it interferes with your sleep or you're so anxious you don't live your life Mm-hmm. or whatever it is, if it's interfering with what you're trying to do during the course of the day, you know, maybe it manifests itself in you not being able to shut off from work, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're totally on during the day and you're a rock star, but if you can't shut off at 5, 6, 7 p.m., maybe that is more of a problem and maybe you would take some decreased productivity to mm-hmm. be able to calm the hell down mm-hmm. when you want to relax. And, but that would be interfering with functioning because it's interfering with your ability to chill, to relax, to socialize, to whatever. And so I feel like that's the key thing here is that if it's not interfering with your functioning, maybe it's really problematic to refer to it in the same way we refer to a disorder that is interfering with people's functioning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, this, what this conversation is really highlighting for me is how, how in so many ways we, we try to make like public and social progress in terms of understanding mental health, but then and these movements can happen where, and I say the, the royal we, we collectively like reinforce unintentionally stigma about mental health within ways like this right? Yeah. Because we're, we're creating, we're pathologizing normal human emotions. And um, it's also like saying that you're the same in some ways or speaking as if you're, it's a di- high, high function anxiety is a disorder. Then what you're also doing is in, in some way invalidating the experience of people who actually live with persistent anxiety, who actually have a diagnosable condition that does interfere (laughs) and they are really working hard to like get through their work days, you know, manage their relationships, take care of themselves, et cetera. It's just really interesting because I think the, the idea is that the whole idea of this whole kind of phrasing is that it's a, it's supposed to be, I think aimed at like bringing everyone in to better understand themselves right? And understand their feelings, but it's because it's done in the way it's done is unintentionally reinforcing a lot of the stigma um, and misunderstanding about mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm gonna get real and a little shady for a second, but I think this goes to our podcast episode last time, Amateurism, yes, last one, Mm. where 
a lot of these terms are being made up. Mm. Yep, I said it. They're being made up to sell you something. If somebody can convince you that even something positive like productivity or high functioning is a problem, then you're going to try to fix it. They're like intentionally targeting, targeting the right group of people. Because if you have quote unquote high functioning anxiety, you probably are striving to be the best version of yourself possible and good for you on that. Like all the applause, but people are targeting you to make money off of you. Because if they tell you that something that even you thought was a good thing is a problem, you're going to try to fix it with their course, with their magic bullet solution to whatever, a green juice probably, whatever it is that they're trying to sell you, that is then the fix. Or they're just going to get you to follow them on social media, for example, you know, and be like, oh my God, this person gets me. And then they have sponsored products and they have a larger audience, et cetera, et cetera. That's usually where these things come from. So don't let them get you is my advice to that, right? Like this is, again, I feel like, should this be the tagline of every single podcast episode we ever do? Maybe, but only take advice from providers who are experts and who know you mm-hmm. and your individual situation. Everything else kind of take it with a grain of salt because maybe the high functioning anxiety actually is a problem for some people. And I put that in quotes because then in reality, it's interfering with functioning and then maybe it's not high functioning and it's just anxiety. But otherwise, just kind of know that in the back of your mind, it's not a clinical term. It's not something that is clinically diagnosed. It's kind of just Instagram diagnosed and anything that falls under that category, all the red flags go up. So fire, as they say. Yeah. And I was just thinking that uh, I'm glad you said the point about someone who knows you, a professional who knows you, because I think the other side of this problem too, is that some people might actually be living with disruptive anxiety, but have convinced themselves that it's high function anxiety (laughs) and therefore not getting the help, the actual help that they need and relying on these, whatever, I don't know, courses, whatever, all those things. Um, yeah. So I just had that thought too. And I was like, man, this is, yeah, that's a problem. The problem runs deep. Um, Mm -hmm. as you were saying that it's the beware of people who are coaches on a particular emotion. Mm. A lot of time I was thinking of like, who's the, who are the people who normally say this, like anxiety coaches Mm -hmm. can't be a coach of an emotion. That's not a skill. (laughs) Like you just can't, (laughs) not a skill. Somebody like a chess coach or a run coach, An activity. Or a, right? Like it's a skill. It's a skill you can develop. Like anxiety is not a skill. Your emotion is not a skill. So that's also another red flag is that if somebody who's claiming to be like a stress coach or an anxiety coach, or like I've literally seen a well-being coach, um, happiness coaches, all of these things I've seen. Wow. Yeah. Uh, If it's coming from them, it's probably falling under the category of things that are not really real. Yeah. You know, when you said, (laughs) when you said anxiety coach, uh, I I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but I, I'm a really big fan of the movie Inside Out. So if the people, if you've seen this, if you're listening and you've seen this movie, the animated film that talks about emotions. Um, I just thought about like, 
someone being Joy's coach or someone being Anger's coach and like these like little characters, someone coaching you on like what that emotion is and how to feel it or how to not deal with it, whatever. I don't know. I just had that image come into my mind. I was like, yeah, that's actually a very ridiculous premise. Yeah, it's really silly. Yeah. Because you know what an anxiety coach actually is, like someone who's legitimate that can help you work through your anxiety, a therapist. Right. I was like, I know. (laughs) That's a therapist. There's no such thing as somebody who can like break that down and coach you through an emotion. You can work to manage your emotions, but now that's actually a clinical situation that requires a therapist who should not ever say something to you like you have high functioning anxiety. It's literally, I can't emphasize this enough. It's contradictory (laughs) to Mm. what a disorder is. Yeah. It just, it's silliness. And so all of this to say, you know, if you identify that, the advice I would say is actually look at whether or not it interferes with your functioning. And if it does, and it's in a way that doesn't feel manageable, I would talk to a therapist because maybe it's not high functioning anxiety. Like Jarrell said, maybe it's just anxiety and you deserve help with that. If it's something that feels out of control or feels like it's interfering with your life in a negative way, you deserve actual assistance, not these like health versions of get rich quick schemes on social media. Yeah. I was going to say not the infomercial version of a therapeutic tool. Yeah, it just, it might actually be something serious and you should get that taken care of. You should get the support you need around that. Like you don't have to suffer because it's like this badge of honor that it's high functioning anxiety. And if it's not interfering with your functioning, know that you're just experiencing a normal human emotion and maybe thank it. Like it's helping you out and it's not necessarily a bad thing. We label emotions as good or bad entirely too often. And sometimes it's both. And sometimes what's labeled as a quote unquote bad emotion is actually super helpful. And maybe you just need to reframe that when necessary. And a therapist can help with that too, if that's a struggle. Just 100%. So moral of the story, high functioning anxiety, not really a thing actually kind of comically contradictory. But either way, if you feel like you're struggling, reach out to a expert provider, therapist, for example, who actually knows you and your individual circumstances and what you may be going through and can give you tools that are more tailored to your individual experience and why you're having difficulty managing whatever emotion you may be having difficulty managing. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. New episodes every other Wednesday. We hope you will tune in again. In the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating, a review, and share with a friend. Otherwise, we hope you have a good rest of your day. Bye.